So good morning, everybody. My history, 2009, I was very fit, well, healthy, suddenly contracted sepsis, which went to toxic shock, coma, ITU, multi-organ failure, lost my kidneys permanently, dialysis, live donor transplant, rehabilitation, several episodes of acute admissions, so I am extremely grateful to be here today in more sense than one. So thank you for inviting me. And I'm also incredibly grateful to the NHS for the care that it has given to me. However, over the last eight years, and I'm only talking about acute admissions, I have noticed a decline in the number of nurses sometimes on the wards, which makes it difficult for patients, let alone for the nurses. Also, it seems that senior nurses are spending more time answering to the powers above than organizing their teams on the shop floor. And because of the pressures of work, as a patient, sometimes you get the feeling that the frontline staff have lost compassion because they don't have the time to sit or stand and talk and really feel what the patient is feeling. And a big part of the healing process is the talking and the feeling of being cared for. And that can get lost. So I think sometimes it's because people genuinely aren't compassionate and sometimes it's because of the pressures of work. And commensurate with that, you get the feeling that people have lost the perspective of the environment in which they are working. They become desensitized to it and forget what it's like to be a patient in this scary, different environment. And so I think it's really important that all frontline staff have role-play exercises to do with feedback. And I'm talking about from the porters, tea people, receptionists, through to consultants. Must not assume that everybody knows how to relate to patients. In the report, there is suggestions about the need for teamwork. And another observation has been that when agency staff, nurses in particular, are involved, they often don't understand the special needs of some patients. For my example, for myself as a transplant patient, so in hospital, acutely ill, high temperature, fever, they just didn't understand the need to keep fluids, if I would ask for water, it didn't come, they weren't measuring my fluid outputs, urine bottles surrounding me. And so I find it very difficult to understand how teams can be properly developed. In dentistry, I've always talked about teams having to dance together. You know, when you dance, you know what your other partner's going to do, you don't have to talk to them, you don't tread on their toes. And if you're going to develop teams like that, you need people who are part of the team and committed to the team. And that brings major, major advantages. And there's another problem, and that is that many times the senior members of the team are not able to pick their team members anymore. And that creates, I think, very, very big problems. So definitely teams need to be developed, but it's not quite so straightforward in the present circumstances. Also, together with this not having time to spend with patients, there is the not having the time or will to listen to patients. Patients often know when something isn't right far earlier than the clinician. 
and they need to be listened to. And if they're not listened to, then it breaks down trust. And trust is an enormous part of healing. If you lose trust in your carers, you're in a very, very unpleasant place. I've seen in dentistry that as treatment becomes more complex for patients, more specialists called in, so the risk of the bystander effect occurs. Each person thinks somebody else is doing something and therefore it doesn't get done. And there is a real danger of that, I think, in acute medicine. There needs to be a holistic approach by somebody who is in ultimate control of what is happening. And I have been at the receiving end of that myself. And you can see it as a patient. It all seems a bit haphazard. Everybody's doing their bit properly, but it's not actually joined up. And perhaps there is a, a real need for basic clinical checklists, as there are in operating theatres, which have been shown to reduce preventable harm. Maybe there's a need for that in acute medicine. It's very obvious that junior doctors spend an awful lot of time behind computers. I'm not sure why. Nurses' changeovers seem to take an inordinate amount of time. Surely in the digital age that could be streamlined. Frequently, patients aren't in the right place at the right time. It happened to me. A bed's moved and everybody's chasing around trying to find the patient. I've seen it with other patients in the wards next to me. I can find my iPhone if I lose it by looking on my iPad. I can't see why beds can't have transmitters on them to have a central pattern of where patients are. Multiple recounting of histories. can't tell you how many times I've recounted the same history. It's quite wearing, and what a waste of time for the clinicians. So there must be something that can be done about that. And at the Royal Free in the renal department with acute kidney injury, they're trialling an app called Streams, developed with DeepMind, which gives the clinician on a dedicated mobile phone blood test results when they're important, and the patient's history right there at the bedside immediately without having to scramble around looking. And perhaps that's something else that needs to be looked at. And timing of bloods and other tests, I just noticed that they seem to come back in clusters in the afternoon when the junior doctors are very busy. They don't have time to look at them, and then they've got to contact somebody about them. It's not a very good system, and actually Streams does overcome that. I think in terms of staff levels with Brexit, there needs to be some very definite strategic plans about that once everyone knows what's going on. And there is a real need for the introduction of digital technology and artificial intelligence in management systems, but I think there needs to be a strategic plan centrally People need to sit down and work out what is really needed within the NHS and develop a plan rather than having piecemeal. I've been very fortunate to be involved with several acute kidney injury projects. There are 100,000 deaths associated with acute kidney injury in hospitals. It's reckoned that 30% of those are preventable and not diagnosed. One in five acute admissions are associated with it. And so the NHS Think Kidneys Programme and quality improvement programmes such as UCL Partners, which I'm involved with, are bringing about big changes and maybe could be used as a model to help in the projects 
that are going forwards. But it must be remembered that if changes are brought about in systems in such a big organization as the NHS, it's very easy for there to be excitement at one minute and for them to drop off very rapidly. So it's not just about implementing changes, it's about sustaining them. So in conclusion, I've highlighted some of the observations. Of course, there are many, many more. I must finish by saying how grateful I am for the quality of care that I've received. And I also feel that frontline staff must be valued and told that they are valued and they mustn't be made into scapegoats for failings of the system. And finally, I cannot see as a patient how further efficiencies are going to actually improve the quality of care in acute medicine. If anything, it's going to decrease the quality of care. A different approach needs to be taken. So thank you for your time.